Hey everybody and welcome to the Hack My Solar podcast. This is Sean Mills and today we're going to be talking about siting a ground mount system. Yesterday we spoke about different options for mounting solar arrays. We talked about the difference between a roof mount and some different options for ground mount. Today we're going to dive deeper into ground mount systems and talk specifically about some of the considerations one would need to take in order to get the most optimum solar exposure. The nice thing about ground mounted systems is that they can be optimally aligned with respect to both their southern orientation and their tilt angle. You're not, you know, you don't, you're not stuck to with whatever the roof is. Uh, I use a tool called PV Watts in order to look at the different options for azimuth and what kind of impact that will have over the course of the year. In my area, a more southwesterly orientation is better than due south when looking at overall system production. Uh, if I were grid tied, I would have my panels facing at about 220 degrees or 40 degrees off of due south. Uh, and that's because I would get more production over the course of the year by doing so. However, since I'm more concerned with when I get my energy than squeezing every watt out of our daily production, we aren't pointed at 220 degrees. We're closer to 180. When I get up in the morning, uh, many times I work from my upstairs office or even my front porch. And I need energy to run my office machinery to include my routers, as well as uh, during the summer, a fan to keep me cool. Uh, mornings in the summer are, are pleasant, but they're still a little bit hot and muggy, and a little bit of moving air goes a long way. Uh, if I were maximizing that daily output, it would be about 11 a.m. in the summer before I was getting any real production from my panels, and that doesn't work for me when I'm out at 7 o'clock uh, getting work started and uh, you know need to run four hours with not a whole lot of with a lot of pull, but not a lot of give, so to speak. Uh, so let's talk for a minute about reducing the amount of shade on panels. It's very important. Uh, let's say I have an array of three solar panels. Each one of those panels has 72 cells. That's a total of 216 solar cells. Now if one of those cells is shaded, they reduce the amount of current that can pass through the system by the proportion of shading on those cells times the number of cells. So let's say one cell is 50% shaded. Uh, now I have the equivalent of one and a half panels worth of energy coming from those three panels. In other words, by shading one out of the 216 cells by 50%, I've erased the generation of 108 of those cells. That's not a good utilization of my investment. The reason for this reduction is that every cell in the string has to operate at the current set by the one that is in the shade. Now one strategy for mitigating this issue is to place panels that might receive shading on a parallel string uh, so that only the string uh, so only that the string that is shaded is affected and the parallel strings are not. So this is how our system is set up. The easternmost uh, string receives early shade, the westernmost string received receives evening shade, and those two strings when they're getting shade are not going to impact the other two strings. Now, I want to mention an interesting new emerging tech is the Module Level Power Electronics, or MLPE, uh, which are essentially micro-inverters that operate on the individual module level and therefore limit shading losses to a single panel. So instead of all of the uh, panels in that string uh, being affected by shade, it's just the one panel. 
they're also they are initially more expensive, but in the right environment, so they can pay for themselves over time. Um, I pl- do plan to do a standalone show on microinverters in the future, so we'll dive a little deeper into that in the future. Uh, now, some panel manufacturers are also looking into panel electronics uh, that may act as a microinverter for each individual cell. And that system would limit the shading loss to that cell and not pa- impact any of the other cells on that panel. Uh, once they get that to a place where it's commercially viable, it'll be really interesting to see how that impacts installations. Um, as with any solar project, a ground-mounted PV system must be designed with care in order to meet your individual goals. And it's got to address practical issues uh, on the site. Um, those can include, uh, you know, uh, property boundaries, terrain, solar properties, the location of any electrical interconnections, uh, permitting issues if it's a grid type system. Uh, a lot of those you don't have to deal with on a roof mount, but you do on ground mount. In addition to those general siting issues, uh, generation optimization in a ground mount system must address the unique issue of how to space the rows of solar panels to maximize energy harvest while preventing the panels from shading each other. So if I've got two rows of panels, I want to make sure that I space uh, the rows properly so that the front uh, panels are not shading the rear panels. Um, now, you know, just keeping them really far apart <laughs> would be, um, you know, one option. But, you you know, if you want to maximize the utility of the whole site, minimizing that spacing to just what's needed uh, is the most efficient, efficient way to go about it. Uh, ground-mounted arrays are arranged, uh, rows, uh, excuse me, ground-mounted arrays are arranged in rows of panels from east to west, uh, so the panels have an ideal orientation to the sun, and then at that point you can utilize the site's latitude to determine the optimal tilt angle for the panels. There is a trade-off between using tilt angle as high as the latitude uh, in terms of how close you can place the rows in the array. The, excuse me, the size and configuration of the site may also place constraints on this inner row spacing. Obviously, if you don't have a lot of real estate to give up, you don't want to have a ton of space in between. So as a rule of thumb, if your latitude is below 25 degrees, your latitude times 0.87 is your most optimal optimal single tilt um, degree. If your latitude is between 25 and 50 degrees, use the latitude times 0.76 plus 3.1 degrees, and that's going to give you your optimum uh, single tilt. Now, if you have the ability to create a system where you can change the tilt uh, at least one time per year, uh, that's very helpful. Four times per year is the best. Now, remember, we're taking into consideration the entire day, uh, so we're not pointing the panels directly at the noon sun in most instances. Um, You know, while I'm thinking about it, let me take a minute to remind everyone that right now, In 2018, there's a 30% tax credit for solar systems, whether they're PV or thermal. Uh, If they go in between now and the end of 2019, it's a 30% tax credit. In 2020, that tax credit drops 26%. In 2021, it drops to 22%. And after 2021, there's a permanent 10% credit. Now, all this could change with the stroke of a pen, but um, I did, you know, just popped into my head. So I did want to mention that right now, this year and next year, If the system goes in, uh, you do get that 30% tax credit. All right, back to business. For small systems, it may be sufficient to simply use that rule of thumb 
um, and and uh, you know the 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 tilt is latitude minus ten, and the inner row sp spacing is two and a half times the row height. So if you've got plenty of room, just run with that, and you're probably good to go. Um, now historically, simple cap calculations based on geometry uh, were used. Uh, one strategy for optimizing space might be to raise the height of the northern array so that the shade in the winter falls under the bottom panel. So what we're talking about there is if you've if you've got a, a smaller height differential between the top of the front panel and the bottom of the rear panel or array, um, that's going to be a, a strategy you can utilize to make sure that the front panels aren't shading the rear panels. Another thing to consider is the height of the trees near your area. Um, I like using the Sunseeker app on my iPhone uh, to look at where the sun will be at different points of the year and I can see which trees are going to be a problem and which might be a problem in the future. Uh, just like panel spacing, a rule of thumb would be two and a half times the height uh, of a tree. That's how far back you want to place uh, the, the first set of panels from the tree line. Now, another great tool for this is Google SketchUp. It's a free tool. You can actually import a map of your property, um, draw the array in with the proper azimuth and angle that you get off the PVWatt site, uh, and then see during different times of year what the shading is going to look like. It's pretty neat. I mean, you could even draw in a wall and pretend like the wall is the tree line and do the same thing. You can look at different times of year and see how far out the shading goes and then draw a line from uh, the wall out to the edge of the shade. And that's going to give you an actual distance uh, that you can then use on the property. Um, now, if you're going to put your panels near a property boundary, you should understand that in certain states, you can actually set up an easement with your neighbor. Uh, so if you've, you know, it's called a solar easement. And essentially what that means is, is if I've got a wide open uh, spot and I put that those panels there close to the boundary of the property and I, I can go talk to my own or the owner of the uh, property next to me and say hey can we put an easement in place that just says that no one can plant trees or put a building in that's going to shade my panels and uh, if they agree to it then even if they sell the property you know someone can't come in after the fact and put in a garage right on the boundary and uh, th then create shade on your property so that's another thing uh, to take into consideration um, again the tools uh, that I really like using for this are Google SketchUp uh, the PV Watts website and um, the NREL solar uh, website that gives you maps for your location and kind of tells you <coughs> where um, you know or what kind of sun you're going to get over the course of the year. Hey, with that being said, if you guys like the podcast, um, particularly if you're listening to this on an iPhone, if you could go into iTunes and uh, rate rate the podcast for me. Um, if you look at if you type in solar energy and search for it in iTunes right now, three of the top four responses or uh, results that you get have not put out a podcast in the last seven or eight years. So I'd like to get this information out to more people. Um, I, I really appreciate those of you that have told me that you've shared it with friends that, that have similar interests. That's great, and I, I really appreciate that. Uh, if you could take a few minutes, particularly in iTunes, uh, and give us a rating that would go a long way. We've got to get five ratings before we'll even get uh, any, uh, you know, any rating from iTunes. And right now, I think we have three. 
So if you could do that, that'd be a lot of help. Um, you can send me questions at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at hackmysolar.com. Uh, visit the website, www.hackmysolar.com. The Hack My Solar webpage, or rather Facebook page. All of those are great uh, places to get in touch with us. Send us your questions, and we will cover them on the air. As a matter of fact, this podcast is in direct response uh, to a question that someone sent in about siding panels. So uh, thanks for joining us today, and looking forward to talking to you soon.